If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, the palindromatic episode 494. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined, as always, by Miranda Sanchez. Hello. Hi, hello. Welcome, everyone. Yes, uh, everyone. Now, uh, we also have our friend MC Fixer returning from the other side of the pond. Good to see you, my friend. I've come back. They let me back in, guys. Don't don't <laughs> let them get me out again. <laughs> and moments ago, even before we got on the air, everyone comments. Every guest that comes through comments, developer, just friend of the show, panelist, whatever. Everyone loves Miranda's Gears mug. Oh, yeah, that's yep. true. I gotta, gotta show it off as it's always. It's the best. My, it's such a good very mug. prized Gears mug. I love it so much. Got a nice little, excuse my coffee drinking in the back, but oh, it's <laughs> so beautiful. Got it. It, it makes the coffee taste better. You know, it's it's true. It really it revs up your morning, chainsaw style. All right. Um, Fixer, good to have you back. You're on. It's been months. It's actually the, the year has gone by quickly. Everything's flying by uh, for better or for worse. So for our audience that may have missed your first appearance or it's just been a while, refresh everyone. Who are you and why are you here? Besides the fact that we love you. Hi, yeah. So, hi, my name's MC Fixer, uh, full time content creator on platforms such as Twitch and YouTube and now TikTok because that's exploded. Um, and yeah, I'm a, a full time content creator. The main thing that I do, and maybe the audience may have heard of me from, is my weekly Xbox podcast called My Xbox and Me. After the last time I was on the episode, we had a humongous influx of people. So, thank you to everyone who's listening, who's come over from there. And uh, yeah, just uh, overall love video games, been covering Xbox now for nearly six years which is wild 294 episodes on my wow. xbox and me never missing a week that's my my pride and joy they're never missing a week that is the key i agree with you i i feel that way with this show we only we only take usually one week a year off right at the end of the year and i do the same thing with my tesla podcast on the side because you know, there are so many free podcast and youtube options out there the second that you stop Pumping them out every week, people just go find something else. So you gotta, That's you it. gotta stick with it. With it, I appreciate, uh, I, I appreciate your 
your attitude with that. Now, uh, Twitch, Twitter, where can we find you? Get those social media plugs in up front when we know yeah, everybody's uh, listening. <laughs> Uh, twitch.tv slash mcfixer is where i'm live i'm a partner now just hit partner affiliate so that was a big a big achievement for me it took a long time to get there and uh two youtube channels youtube.com slash mcfixer is my personal channel and youtube.com slash my xbox and me which is my xbox channel where we cover all things xbox love it and i know i told you this last time but for our audience that, that may not be familiar with you i think uh with with all due respect to our wonderful designers you have my favorite podcast logo i love your my xbox and me podcast logo it's just i don't know did you did you do it yourself who did it but it's really good so yeah the quick story on that one is just my fiance did it i said to her that i wanted the buttons for for the for xbox buttons on the controller to match up with the show and i was like okay let's figure this out and then my xbox and me because i always knew i was going to do the show by myself yeah i said no matter what even if i have to do a one-man show I would do it so we can do the and me part. And yeah, shout out to my fiance, Haley. She designed it and uh, she's amazing. Bravo, Haley. Good stuff. All right. Uh, before we get rolling, subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're on YouTube subscribing to Fixers because we've moved. We are now at youtube.com slash games. So don't miss that. Uh, and I think, oh, just tweet us. Don't forget to tweet me your loot box questions, video questions. You're just open-ended Xbox question for the panel. We're doing those via Twitter now. The Yappa experiment has come to a close. So just record yourself on video and tweet it at me. Just tag me at DMC underscore Ryan. All right. Uh, Fixer, you are here not only because we love it, but because it so works out that Resident Evil Village is out this week. <sighs> you came to me saying, I would love to come on and talk Village. And we know Miranda is already hiding. The mere mention <laughs> of Resident Evil Village, she's already hiding. I played about the first hour or so myself so that uh, you wouldn't be alone. And plus, I okay. just want to play the game. So, but I want to go to you first. Like, this is, this is arguably the biggest release of 2021 so far. Uh, I mean, Hitman 3 was fantastic, but Village has just been huge. Everybody's been looking forward to it. And the game is very good. What are your thoughts on this so far as a Resident Evil fan as a and as a next gen game? What do you think? So, yeah, the, my opinions come in twofold. It is not as simple as just this game is fantastic. Yes, I absolutely adore Resident Evil Village from a technical perspective It is the most next generation game that I have played to date. The environments are beautiful. Um, everything about this game as a world, I think, is absolutely amazing. And Capcom have done it again for me. I think Seven was the the difference in. I'm a hardcore Resident Evil fan. I've played every single Resident Evil game. I love the series. It's the series that got me into video games. Uh, so for me, I'm I'm one of the nerds that care about the lore, and that's kind of where Village falls apart. But let's talk about the positives first, right? Yeah. Its world is amazing. It's the beautiful. Um, hybrid between Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 4, which everybody loves Resident Evil 4 uh, in terms of its gameplay. And that is what Resident Evil Village is. It's world... Miranda, Miranda do not play this game. You know, do, <laughs> don't do it to yourself. It's not you worth know, it, I promise. I actually might play it because I've been watching my friend stream it. And I'm like, you know, I kind of want to play Maybe. this game. <laughs> what I will say is it's not the most scary game of the series for me. And I think that's that's... There's a reason for that. And this is what I've been saying to people, which is if you are someone who's looking to jump into like the new survival horror world, it's not, it's not like Resident Evil 2 Remake. I don't think there's as many jump scares. It's more about the environments that you're in, 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic game. Where I think the game falls apart for me personally is from its lore and its story perspective. Ethan Winters is one of the worst characters in Resident Evil, and there are a lot of bad characters in Resident <laughs> Evil, and I can say that with my chest, let me tell you. Um, Ethan just has no personality. He has no, he has no desire. He has no love. There's nothing to like about him, and I think that's what you lose when you go from third person to first person, is they want you to be in the game. They want you to feel the, the cuts, the shots, yeah. the, the scares. It's your they daughter want... they took. Your daughter. It's, Unfortunately, I don't have a daughter in real life, so I didn't care about the daughter all the way through the game, which is what they wanted. They wanted me to care, and I just didn't. But from a from a gameplay perspective, from a technical perspective, Resident Evil Village is a must-play this year, 100%. So I'm glad you brought up uh, the, the perspective, because that's where I wanted to chime in. So I'm someone, I would definitely be a casual Resident Evil fan. Uh, I played five all the way through in co-op with my buddy Mitch Dyer former Unlocked cast member. Uh, I started six because I love five and I thought six was bad. And I just walked away from that game after a couple hours. Uh, Seven, I only played a little bit for an IGN video. We did a How Scary Is with the VR version where you're tied to the chair. I think, I don't know if that was the demo. And (laughs) that was was too much for me. But this one, I've been following it. I thought, okay, you know what? I want to play this game because I have always, always loved first-person games. I prefer it to third-person pretty much every single time. Not not universally, but most of the time, I prefer first-person. I just feel it's more immersive. I like it. And so I thought, yeah, Resident Evil. I know 7 was first-person. Now this one, yeah, let me, I'm going to get into this one. I'm going to play Village. Like, I like the premise that it's, you know, this village and this crazy castle with all these spooky ladies inside. So... Yeah. <laughs> Let me give this a go. And I played the first hour last night and immediately regretted my my uh, preference for first person because <laughs> even in that when you're just stumbling through the the woods and it's pitch black and you just start hearing things, you know, the designers are messing with you. I'm just like, this is no, this is first person. Give me third person. This is this is not going to end well for me. Um, I think. I think that's where the game really shines, though. Yeah, it's, it's it really in its is. Sound design, and then it's it's just pure beauty. I think we've all kind of been waiting. I remember when I was on the last the show last time, I was like waiting for my next gen game for why I spent all this money on this new shiny plastic box, right? And I think Village is that from a environment perspective and sound design. This is what we expect from the evolution of video games, right? We buy these new consoles because we want more immersive experiences. And that is what Village is. It is probably the most immersive uh, survival horror game. And I think that's why it's selling really well. I think that's why you're seeing Twitch is blowing up on Twitch right now. People, Some people think it's the scariest game ever. I think when you're a veteran like me and a few other people in the industry now who I've listened to, it's like, it doesn't have that same that same scariness to us because we know we know where the jump scares are going to come from. We know we know what we're what we're signing up for, right? So yeah, it's different for everyone. I yeah, I mean, I I adore. I did play most of Resident Evil Two Remake, and I didn't really find that scary at all. Maybe it's just the age of it, even though you know it's full remake, but it's a twenty year old design. But yeah, this the the at least the first hour of Village definitely has the spooky vibes on lock. Like it is absolutely, it will mess with you. Also, uh, you were talking about Ethan and you don't like him. And (laughs) I did have to crack up. Like, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a, there's a bad thing that happens to him 
there's like a, a multiple bad things that happen to him but the first yep. the first major bad thing that happens to him it, it this horrible thing happens right in front of his face and then he just turns and looks at someone and says wait why'd you do that not like <laughs> all the emotion was gone like do you not did you just forget what just happened and now you're just asking this person oh well why'd you do that <laughs> so i thought that was kind of funny <laughs> The thing that frustrates me the most about Ethan is the fact of the rest of the characters in the game are really well done. Obviously, we all we all love Lady Dimitrius, or however you say her name, because I know yeah. I'm saying it wrong. Um, and her, her her daughters and a few other bits and bobs. Again, no spoilers. So I don't want to say too much. Um, though those characters are well done. Um, they have a little bit of personality to them. Their voice lines are very well done. It just seems super strange to me that you would give you would make us play as the most bland character and then expect us to care when he doesn't even care he doesn't react <laughs> any it's, it's sort of like a i've been through this before through seven it's like oh i know what i'm getting myself into it's like no matter how many times you've been through war or anything like that it doesn't not affect you we, we all know that right and that's kind of the same premise i have here which is like I don't care how many zombies or or werewolves or whatever it may be that you have shot in the face, you're still going to be terrified of what is going on. Yeah, it's funny you say that, that he's unaffected because one of the next horrible thing that happens to him in the beginning of the game uh, is, I'll just say it's an injury. And mm. <laughs> when you look at mm, it, you're like, how are you even walking around right now, let alone like continuing forward what I will say, <laughs> it's crazy what, what i will say is the pain what tolerance resident evil, what resident evil village is very good at right <laughs> is it does give you answers to everything that you've just said yeah all of the things you are thinking the game at the end if you make it all the way through it will give you these answers are they good answers not particularly in my opinion <laughs> are they valid answers not particularly in my opinion but there are answers yeah I, I will say, like, we're kind of not goofing on it, but we're pointing out these things. I, I will say the first hour, I do think it's fantastic. I really yes. like it's 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 definitely the most it, it feels like the freshest new game, uh, like new triple A game from a major publisher, big budget next gen. It does feel great so far. I really like it a lot. Um, I'm really looking forward to playing more, although for me personally, uh, I'm going to have to just get as much done as I can because I'm going straight over to Mass Effect Legendary Edition as soon as that comes out because <laughs> I have been e so eager to revisit Mass Effect 1 specifically and the whole trilogy, but but 1 specifically for a while. Um, I had on the show before, I haven't played it since it came out. Now, Fix, you're, I mean, you and Miranda are both, you know, much younger than I am. Did Did you... Play the the uh, trilogy at all uh, in the beginning, particularly the first game. I have never played the Mass Effect okay. game. I started one once and absolutely hated it. Really, Just, no. it was so dated. It's, it's. I think again, I'm I'm coming off of cover based shooters such as Gears of War, right? And after playing that or any other cover based shooter that's come out before, then going back to Mass Effect One, oh, it was no thank you. I was not in the mood for it at all. Well, I'll be curious. I'll be curious to, to follow up with you and see what you think uh, if you decide to to give the legendary edition a try. Uh, is it, yeah. I, I'm I'm eager to see what that perspective is from younger gamers who aren't coming back at this with established fond memories and see Better. sort of how it holds up as a as a release in 2021. Yeah, uh, Miranda, how about you? Because you, you've played it before, right, Miranda? You're, yeah, you're I a actually, fan. 
played them for the first time all the way through a few years ago, like one after the other over the course of a month. I just played all of them. Um, and my partner at the time, he had played all those games like many times each. So it was basically like playing with a, a human guide. And so I got like kind of the optimal playthrough and like saved all the people I cared about and got to like do cool romance stuff and find all the Easter eggs. Um, so, so that was really fun. So I'm actually kind of excited to go through this on my own and struggle. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> not. I'll probably just use our guide. We have a really great guide for all three games already. So I might just, you know, peek on that a little bit, but I'm very excited to get back to it. I love Tally so much. Oh, she's just the best. I love Tally and Garrus. The, the companions are just, just fantastic. Yeah. Like this is some of the best character writing in video games for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like the loyalty missions, if this is your first time playing, Absolutely do not miss any of them. They are so fun. Even if it's for a character that you're like, eh, I'm a little on the fence about you. It's still worth doing yeah. it just because for game reasons, but also just for the writing. Like, I think there's just so much good, solid, deep writing in these games and definitely shouldn't miss it. And you're referring specifically the the loyalty missions are Mass Effect 2. One, you know, of course, you're getting to know everyone. You're really sort of starting to make your, your choices. So, yeah, we'll yeah. talk... We'll obviously talk much, much more about Mass Effect Legendary Edition on next week's show after it's out. Uh, The thing I wanted to mention is not just that it's coming out, but a quick public service announcement for everybody. uh, This is from the desk of our reviews editor, Dan Stapleton. Uh, The short version is, we all had to wait on this big day one patch, which EA was transparent about. There's just a massive day one patch that that covers a lot of the next gen features, a lot of the, the sort of modern tech update stuff. So uh, we will not have a review this week. Uh, so look for that next week if you're, you know, I, I imagine existing fans might just be jumping in anyway. But if you're, if you're like Fix and you're kind of hanging back, you're, you've never played it before and you wonder, you're wondering if it's worth playing, we'll have the IGN review for you at some point next week. All right. Uh, and real quick, before we get on to the rest of the news, I wanted to mention one other game that I've been playing. You can read my preview on IGN right now. This is one we've talked up a lot on the podcast. I am more excited about this than ever after playing it again recently. I've played this now twice. The game is 12 minutes. So and jealous. This... So jealous. Sorry, oh. I have to just bring in like, <laughs> Please, yeah. yeah me too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this game, if you're not familiar now, if you're watching on video, you're obviously watching some footage of it right now. It is, uh, Luis Antonio is the writer and director of this. And he described it. I thought his description of this when I took the demo with him was apt before before he handed over the controls. He called it basically a a stage play, like a playable stage play. And I thought the the more I thought about that, the more I thought that was a perfect description because you never leave this apartment. You know, it's it's you play the husband and uh, who's voiced by James McAvoy. Then you have your wife voiced by Daisy Ridley and you have the cop voiced by Willem Dafoe, the, the great Willem Dafoe. And it's a time loop. And every, it's 12 minutes long. Each loop is 12 minutes long. And the, the cop will come in and he will accuse your wife of murdering her father some years ago. And then he will, he will choke you to death. He will kill you. So you have to use all the information you acquire on each loop to move through. And uh, I... And I've been enamored with this since it was on since it was sort of officially unveiled on Xbox's E3 stage two years ago. I played it at that E3, but so briefly it was just barely any just the slightest of of tastes of it. 
This time I didn't get to play much more. I only got to do a few loops, but I am enamored with this game. I think for me, the, the my top three like indie games, I, I hate to use the word indie because a lot of people hear indie and just zone out and think, nope. But like, you know, Cuphead is an indie game. Um, you know, the, that kind of level inside limbo, like uh, Braid, those are indie games. So that's, I think 12 minutes could be in that group. If it if its story turns out to be as good as as I feel like it it has the potential to be the the three indie games that I'm most looking forward to are Tunic, which we've talked about, of course, on the show, Baldo, which I think I mentioned last week. We have some exclusive new video uh, gameplay video of that on IGN, and this 12 minutes. I am so stoked for this one. So I encourage everybody to read my preview. There are no spoilers in it because I really didn't make it very far at all. Uh, but we still don't have a specific release date. Luis Antonio just says soon. He did say they're in kind of the final polish phase. So I'm hoping that we get this over the summer before the, the big fall rush of games inevitably hits us because this game deserves some attention. But 12 minutes, get it on your radar if it's not already there. This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N dot com slash U-N-L-O-C-K-D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash Unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Let's talk 
next gen tech, shall we? This is a, a fun topic. We're talking about Resident Evil Village and how next gen it feels and looks. Fix, I take it, are you playing in in quality mode with uh with your ray tracing and everything on, or are you going for the frame rate? So- no, quality mode. I'm a quality mode boy. Uh, only frame rates for shooters. I play a lot of shooters, but uh, yeah, quality mode over over everything where, when and where I can, yes. I'm with you. All right, so Gears of War. We had an official announcement from the Coalition, a.k.a. the logo on Miranda's mug. <laughs> they are moving. <laughs> they are moving Gears of War. They are moving to Unreal Engine 5. They announced that this week, which was expected. That was, of course, very expected. It's that series has always been a it's it's literally it started as a showpiece for the Unreal Engine. And it probably made Epic many millions of dollars when people saw Gears and decided to license the Unreal Engine to use in their games. And that has continued all through the years. So nothing surprising about the idea of Gears moving to Unreal 5. Here's what they had to say, quote, as we look to future games We're excited to start shifting our resources to next-gen development using Unreal Engine 5. Gears of War has always been at the front of Unreal Engine development as a breakout 720p title for the Xbox 360 through last year's 120 frame per second multiplayer update for Xbox Series X and S, and we're excited to continue that tradition by developing on UE5 for multiple new projects, Miranda Sanchez, in the coming years. So. What's that? That's all no surprise. But here's the part that was it's maybe a a little surprising, just given the very regular three year cadence we've seen from mainline gears releases. The coalition notes shifting to a new engine is a big undertaking. So we want to be clear that we will not be announcing any new projects or titles for some time. So you can immediately scratch them off of your E3 2021. Don't expect a Gears 6 teaser. Miranda, I've got to go your way first. Of course, you are IGN's resident Gears super fan and most knowledgeable person. What do you think of the move to Unreal 5? What do you think of multiple new Gears projects on Unreal 5? And what do you think of a longer wait? It's very much a bittersweet moment. So I was just like, awesome. Like, okay, this just makes sense. But then also, oh, man. (laughs) I really thought we were going to start seeing teases for Gears 6. I'm so excited to see what's next in Kate and Marcus's adventure because if you play Gears 5, you'll know. We had we had some spicy endings there. I'm just like, give me more! I'm ready! I love Tide Busters. So it's like, I really want to keep going with this adventure. And it is a, a big bummer to know that we are enough to wait longer. But as we all know, uh, pandemic definitely caused a lot of de- development disruptions um, across the board for everyone. And I'm sure also just like having to move to Unreal Engine 5 is also a huge transition for people. Um, So it's going to take time, which I understand. It's good to have the time so they can make an awesome game. But not just one game, multiple games. I'm so excited to see what they're going to do next. Um, And I I know I've talked at length before about this, but I just love having those extra games that kind of touch on different parts of a universe that really just deepen our knowledge of what this place is and i think gears is just such a fantastic universe and they did such a great job with gears tactics and i definitely want them to explore more um avenues for gameplay for us and we've talked about that before like there's just there's so much they could do and i'm curious to see what that will be well aside from 
Oh, go ahead. Okay. I, I know a lot of people are waiting for remasters as well. Like they want a, a shiny new Gears of War 2. Like I know there's been a lot of calls for that as well. Um, so maybe that could be on the horizon, but who could say? Hmm. An Unreal Engine 5 Gears 2 remake? That yeah. could be a, a fun Ooh. test case for their uh, their technology pipeline. But on that note, like aside from what would probably be assuming the game did reasonably well, because it was a good game for sure. A Gears Tactics sequel on Unreal 5. Miranda, what else? What would you want to see? Uh, where would you want to see the Gears universe go with the new engine into, you know, what other projects? That's always really hard to say, because I think uh, and, and every every new interview I've done with people from the coalition they always emphasize how they try to leave a lot of space for them to tell different stories um so there's always an opportunity to explore something further should they want to go and do that like they're saying how like there's not a full map of sarah because they they don't want to like nail things down and be stuck with something because someone however many years ago decided it because that was the most convenient thing at the time they want to be able to be open and explore things um i think I, I don't know if I'm alone in this. And we keep going to this, even though it's not the genre that I'm really great with. We keep going to horror. And I think Gears is so equipped to be a horror game. I think they have yes. just all the right stuff to make an like, awesome horror game. Um, and, and I think the hard thing about bringing that up every time is a lot of these enemies and challenges we face, like they're very known to us, right? And I think that makes it a lot less scary. Um, like if you can handle a challenge, and that's kind of why I'm actually interested in Resident Evil Village, like if if I have weapons, if I can defend myself and get out of a situation, I'm immediately less scared. But I think uh, the team at the Coalition is very creative and can probably come up with something that would make it an engaging experience should they choose to go a route like that. Um, but also there's a lot of humor in Gears, and I'd honestly like to see them do something humorous i'm not too sure what that would be like when i think about humor i just think about the tomatoes i love the tomatoes guys marcus is tomatoes so oh come on <laughs> Fix. i i Go love ahead. gears personally i absolutely love gears I've, I've said on the show before i'm not a halo guy but i am absolutely a gears guy and like you said survival maybe not survival horror yeah. but just horror in general i think gears the world of gears lends itself so well to that genre make it single player in my opinion single player take out come come back a little bit make it single player one person's very specific story in my opinion and let's go on this journey and i agree with you it is kind of hard with when you already know the enemy types you know how to kill them you know what their weaknesses are but they could definitely come up with something very creative and darker grittier and scarier it'd be amazing well fix how about we're talking about village and resident evil's very successful move to first person what about a first person unreal engine 5 gears horror game where you're maybe not a cog soldier who's armed to the teeth maybe you're somebody you know maybe you're some sort of civilian or something and and uh you know the swarm is <laughs> is just like first overwhelming your you know, your settlement or your village or something that there's there's definitely meat on the bone there, right? I think you've hit the nail on the head and I've spoken about it before with my co-host Crash, shout out to him. Um, it's imagine you are one of the only people that survived. You survived one of the wars, you survived whatever scenario they want to put us in, right? You survived it and that is it. You are just this lone survivor. You've already lost your family. You've got nothing else to live for apart from getting away from what the world is about to throw at us. That would be absolutely epic, in my opinion. I think also, Raising maybe, epic. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think also. Do I did that? Do I did that? <laughs> it would be really cool to see them either go further in the future of Gears or take it back in the past. Like, there's so much for them to explore, and I don't want them to, or I don't want us also to be limited imagining like just current yeah. time for Gears. Like, we have this time frame that we've been very set in. And we, we've kind of are starting to like go back in the past, like with Gears Tactics, we're just going slowly, slowly, slowly back. And I think there's just so much more they could explore. So, yeah. I mean, if if we're all talking about being jazzed for a straight up horror game, the E Day, like when no one knows what's going on, that seems like it could be a very a very rich setting for such a thing. So, uh, I trust the coalition has. I mean, they're going to need development partners on this, right? Unless Miranda, unless you've heard that they've expanded the heck out of the team size, I mean, that team is making Gears of War 6, or Gears 6, depending on what they call it. So like Gears Tactics, they would have to find a partner to do it with, uh, presumably to, to really lead, lead development on that. So we'll see what happens in the coming years. But yeah, don't expect Gears 6 to be teased or mentioned in any way at E3 or at any event this year, based on what the Coalition has made pretty clear here. And then really, as for that timeline, you know, Miranda, it's every three years, uh, as it has been, would have put Gear 6 at holiday 2022 next year. So I think we can probably push that out at least one year at this point, which, I mean, is what do you guys think? Before I move on to the next topic, I'll start with you, Miranda, is is a is a you know a little bit of a break a bad thing here i mean do you i feel like people don't give give the love that I, I know you and i both i think all three of us feel it deserves is is there maybe a little bit of franchise fatigue going on and maybe a year off isn't uh, an extra year isn't the worst thing miranda i don't feel like there's necessarily fatigue from the franchise but i don't i also don't think it's a terrible Thing for it to be an additional year aside from fans who are just like like me who are just waiting just waiting <laughs> but, no i don't think it's a problem at all and if anything it just gives them more time to remote the series it's like hey maybe since you all have games pass it's time to grab a buddy and go through the entire series which is what i'm trying to maybe convince my twin sister to do with me but you know uh that means i have we have plenty plenty of time before the next game comes out so fix how about you you're off yeah i think I think for me, the year off is a good thing because I, I agree with you in a sense of people do not love Gears the way Gears should be loved. I, I go on and talk to so many people about Gears and they're like, oh, especially when you go on and talk about PlayStation exclusives, right? It's the comparisons always come. They're stupid. Let's just enjoy video games in my opinion. But Gears is a top, top, top tier genre and game in my opinion. So for me, a year, a year away is not a bad thing. Like we've all been saying, also, if we get a remaster, brings more people in. The Xbox ecosystem is forever growing right now. The conversation around Xbox has dramatically changed from when I started covering it to where it is now. So let's get more Game Pass subscriptions. Let's get more people jumping in there. More people want to give the system a try. And then hopefully they can jump in on this next Gears, which, yeah, if it's delayed a year, let's let them, let's let them experience the best Gears they can on a new, a new engine. It could be amazing. So we shall see. Time, uh, we, we'll, we've got some time on our hands to think about where gears might go. But yeah, Miranda, Miranda, as correctly noted, we left off on quite a cliffhanger with, uh, which was actually one of my complaints when I reviewed the <laughs> campaign of Gears Five. I did not really feel there was resolution. Now we got to wait a little extra, a little bit longer to see uh, how that wraps up. But yeah, I'm 
I don't want to ruin it for anyone because again, we encourage everybody to go play Gears 5. And even if you haven't played any of them, just you could start with four. Start with four and move forward, and you'll kind of get to know this this new cast and start to get to know the original crew through them as well. But yeah, uh, there is there is a there is a plot moment in five that we still it'll be really interesting to see how they handle the resolution of that in gear six all right let's keep talking tech next gen tech here for a minute and i want to talk about fable which is one of my most exciting uh, games i'm most excited about coming up in this new stable of first party games in the microsoft ecosystem i am a big time fan of fable Uh, I reviewed the first two back at OXM. I love the first one. I think I gave it a high eight at the time. I thought Fable 2 completely delivered on the potential of that franchise. I gave it a 9.5. I think Fable 2 was just an amazing game. I mean, the addition of the dog added this, this sort of extra emotional bond to it. The world was fleshed out. The story had multiple endings. It had its usual Fable charm, the music, everything about Fable 2 was great. Fable 3 started to lose its way a little bit. It went, Peter Molyneux has since admitted uh, that they went way too far into the future. They went 500 years ahead in the timeline. And then we had a couple of, uh, there was the the <laughs> Fable the Journey, which was the Connect game that I reviewed for IGN, which was fun when it worked, but because it was Connect, it literally only worked 50% of the time. And then Fable Legends, which never ultimately came out and killed the whole thing because, quite frankly, Microsoft mismanaged the studio. Here we are, though, with Fable uh, getting ready to come back in the hands of games, the studio responsible for Forza Horizon, one of the most talented people on the planet. They've spun up a new team. Uh, And get this, I know I'm talking a long while here and giving a whole history lesson, but all that is to lead up to this. This new Fable is... uh, We just talked about the Unreal Engine being used in, in Gears. Uh, Unreal is also being, Unreal 5 specifically is also being used in Hellblade 2. You've got Halo on its proprietary Slipspace engine. Well, Forts has always been done on Forza Tech. Now Fable's going to be joining that list. Fable will be done in the Forza Tech engine. There is a job listing on the uh, Microsoft website for a software engineer. It states that the team at Turn 10 will be working with the Forza Tech engine and will be enriching the tool set to support an open world action RPG, Fable. So it's, it is now, you're now going to be using the car engine to make an open world fantasy game, which I think is amazing. Uh, Fix, I'll go your way first. I mean, I don't know if you've played Horizon 4 because it's set in your backyard, but it has, (laughs) incredibly beautiful four season weather effects and technology in it that we can now expect to go right into fable yeah i have played it i played i try and play everything to the best of my ability just so i can speak about everything but um i'm so excited about this news we spoke about on my xbox and me and uh i had the the pure fact that if you look at even if you're not into racing games right you can look at the horizon series and go this world is beautiful the world is beautiful. The weather is beautiful. Everything about that game looks amazing. Nah, I think that means, as long as it's done right, Fable is going to look amazing. 
my biggest worry is how do you get combat to work on that engine? They're talented people over at Playground. I know that for a fact. Met a few of the, the team over there before. Um, but yeah, I, I really look forward to seeing how they are going to handle combat because that is where this game lives or dies in terms of, uh, from a critical standpoint. Sure. The, the humor, I think they're going to now. The world, I think they're going to now. What we're going to be doing, I think they're going to now in terms of like activities and things. But the combat is where I'm really like, okay, let's, let's really see what you guys can do now. Yeah, Miranda, it's a, it's a bit different handling a car versus handling a, a human or humanoid character that's, that's got weapons and equipment. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of thinking, like, wait, you guys didn't ram your cars aggressively into other drivers for no reason? <laughs> <laughs> that's combat almost? <laughs> but no. no Forza I think, uh, combat evolved. Yeah. <laughs> they do have um, a battle royale. <laughs> I mean, there's... Anyway, uh, we won't get into it, uh, but <laughs> that's obviously up to them to figure all that out. Uh, but I think, Ryan, you have noted too, the weather, the weather. It is, that's what I'm excited it's for, so which good. is like weird to touch on. But man, I don't know what it is. Weather in a game just really changes so much of an experience. Like even just, I, I've really gotten into Tamagotchi lately and they're like fancy now and they have um, colors and different animations. And like even when the weather changes in there, I'm like, oh man, it's raining. And so, like, that's just the most basic thing, and I don't know why it just sticks. I think it just adds, like, that element of realism that something is changing and that the world just looks different. It's like a refreshed experience, in a way, for your adventure, and it is, kind of comes on as a surprise. So I'm really excited to see how they're going to integrate that into Fable. And as we all know, their games are beautiful. Forza, all of them, they're just so gorgeous. So that's actually one of the things that I'm most excited for. Um, I really liked F Fable when I was growing up, but I'm just ready to be wowed by whatever they have to present. Because I think when I think Playground and when I think Forza, again, I come down to the tech, the, the look of everything. And that's what I'm excited for. Obviously, we want to know that it plays well and it's a fun story. But I think that's the first thing that I'm looking for. It's like, wow me, please. Thank you. I'm, Sorry, it's a I'm, lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so with you on the, I feel the exact same way as you about weather in a game. Like, there's just something about putting on your surround sound pair of headphones and just having a game with really good rain effects. Like, just a, you just, you feel like you're there, right? It's really adds a lot to the experience. It's not just, a, you know, your, your typical blue, you know, skybox with maybe some clouds in it. You know, you've got this You've got this wind and the rain or snow, whatever, whatever you have. And of course, in in Forza Horizon 4, there's there's the fall leaves blowing around the road and all kinds of neat stuff. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And and what's uh, what I think is even more exciting is there. The odds are very good. We don't have it confirmed yet, but uh, we do know that Forza Motorsport is being rebooted for next gen. Uh, it. Every indication is that Xbox One will be left behind because they're they are like Gears, taking a lot of extra time. We still don't have any kind of release window at all for Forza Motorsport. It wasn't it was uh, just announced in a sort of in-engine trailer at uh, at the showcase last year. So you know we know how pretty Forza Horizon Four and its four season weather is. Now imagine the next generation version of that. That will be tailored specifically for next generation, dialed all the way up, and not having to to fall back and support the old generation. So, 
Uh, it's uh, Fix is so right about the combat. I mean, that's the the cars handle amazing. <laughs> the driving's <laughs> amazing in Horizon Four. But if they can if they can make the people feel as good to control as the cars in in Horizon, uh, then we're all in for a treat. So, and what's what's extra cool is that Forza Tech pipeline is shared between now now three teams the for the fable team the horizon team and the motorsport team so they will all be continuing to add to it and 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 enhance it and and make it better for each of the other games so you know we'll get fable in the next whatever it is two three years and then over the by the time fable 2 comes around the engine will have been improved by Horizon 5 or Horizon 6 or Motorsport, whatever. So it's all going to continue to get better as those three talented teams continue to add to that technology. So really exciting stuff in the world of Fable, a game that is probably, I mean, it might be my most anticipated of, of everything. Perfect Dark's close, um, but Fable's really near and dear to me. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Playground cooks up. All right. Uh, next this week, here's an interesting note, something uh, that we, maybe we didn't quite know definitively that's come out of this just insane trial <laughs> happening now between Ep Epic Games versus Apple in court. And Microsoft was was called to testify in support of, of Epic and to make a point and, and what that uh, that testified information was is this so during an examination in that lawsuit so you had epic's lawyer wes earnhardt began a line of questioning regarding the profitability of console hardware uh, and this is in trying to basically set up apple who takes 30 percent of everything but so earnhardt asks xbox vice president Lori wright he says how much margin does microsoft earn on the sale of the xbox consoles and Lori Wright responds, we don't. We sell the consoles at a loss. And then Earnhardt, again, this is courtroom. So this is, this is very direct questioning. If this, if this is sounding a little stilted and weird, it's, it's because it's courtroom, courtroom drama here. So Earnhardt follows up. Just to be clear, does Microsoft ever earn a profit on the sale of an Xbox console? Lori Wright, no. And Wright explains that Microsoft keeps selling consoles at a loss because its business model is set up to deliver, quote, an end-to-end -end gaming experience, and that hardware is, quote, critical to us delivering that gaming experience, all of which is to say, basically, the Razer, Razer Blade model. Uh, so they're making their money, not on the hardware, but on games, Xbox Live Gold, and Game Pass. Um, Fix, is this any surprise to you at all, that even after all these years, Microsoft continues to take a loss on hardware? No, I assume so. I, I mean, I've been dabbling. I'm definitely dabbling in PCs at the moment, especially with Microsoft's push towards PCs as well, right? Um, and sort of playing between both. And yeah, you can't get a, the console that we all have, or no, I shouldn't say that. The console that the lucky few of us have, uh, being the uh, Xbox Series X, um, obviously you can't get that sort of specs for for five hundred pounds over over in the UK, right? Right. No, this doesn't. This whole this whole story didn't surprise me in any way, shape, or form. I, I thought this was kind of 
we knew this. We understood yeah. this. We knew that Microsoft made their money in other ways. Hence, we've got services, they've got films, they've got games. That's how they make their money. And they sell the consoles to us at a loss. And even then, they're not as cheap as I'm sure most people would like, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Miranda, this, now I think the reason why some people might be surprised is Nintendo is sort of the outlier here. They've always sold their consoles at a profit. So Nintendo's making money no matter what you're buying from them. So uh, are you taken, taken aback at all by, by the fact that after nearly 20 years of making Xboxes, Microsoft continues to be in the red on each one sold? It makes a lot of sense that this is something they plan for, right? Like they've built their model around, okay, if we make a loss here, which delivers a premium experience to the people who are purchasing it or can at least get a hold of it, you know, um, then we have these other experiences that we sell for profit. And that makes a lot more sense. Like if, if they've just scoped out, here's how we make our money. And Again, they just have the people with the, the business brains ready to go for it, and they understand how they're laying out this ecosystem for themselves um, to make that profit, then, yeah, that just makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, famously, so I'll, I'll go, I'll put my old man hat back on again, which I guess I'm always wearing. The old man hat never comes <laughs> off. But, I mean, famously, the original Xbox, they, Microsoft took a huge bath on every single original Xbox sold. But again, by design, because they were trying to literally buy their way into this this very lucrative, growing console gaming market. And the, the reason one of the reasons that the Xbox 360 came out after only four years of the original Xbox on the market was because Microsoft was losing so much money on each original Xbox that they wanted to get the next generation machine out there. I mean, yes, they were able to get a head start on Sony, which proved to be a phenomenally good decision, but it also basically stopped original Xbox sales and moved the 360 where they lost less money per machine. <laughs> now, I could swear I remember years ago a story that's saying that Microsoft was finally turning a profit on, on their hardware, but I guess thinking back on it, it must have been just like an overall ecosystem, like the whole endeavor became profitable rather than the the actual the, the fact that they were that they would be making money on each machine. That seemingly has never happened. But um, but yeah, fix, I think you made it make a really good point about it is unlike Nintendo, like okay, I mean, I love my Switch. It's a it's a wonderful machine. I use it a lot. I, I play a ton of Nintendo games with my daughter. But when you purposely aim for a lower hardware spec as Nintendo has traditionally done, it won't cost you as much. When you're throwing in 12 teraflop monster GPUs from AMD, it's going to cost you a lot. So Ooh, yeah. I, I think, Fix, do you think it's fair to say that that this, this uh, trend of Microsoft losing money on each Xbox, it's probably never really going to end because they're always going to be pushing the bleeding edge of chip technology. I think that's why, in my opinion, Xbox are eventually going to get out of the console market. That's why we have Game Pass. I can see a dongle in a TV. Eventually, we're not there yet, people. Do not do not shout and scream at me. I know consoles are for life. I'm with you guys, I promise. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's 
from a Microsoft point of view, makes perfect sense, right? They can lose me on this. From an Xbox point of view, I'm sure they would want to make as much money as humanly possible. So if they can cut out the plastic box that we all play on, then perfect. My question for both of you guys would be, do maybe this would be a misquote or something like that of like, do you think, you know, the 360, we had so many different bundles of and remakes of the of the 360 console. Obviously, we had the White, we had the Elite. Two refreshes, from the, yeah. Uh, the, other, the other ones, I don't know their exact names anymore. Well, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, Jasper, uh, oh God, yeah. Now, boys, uh, Zephyr, I think, list. was one of them. Yeah, anyway, sorry to cut you off. Keep going. There, there was a few of them, right? So <laughs> yeah. my, my point is, isn't the whole point of them making those consoles so they are cheaper to produce and then they make a profit on them later? So that's I was listening to this because I'm such a nerd at this point. I love the games industry so much. When I'm sat there listening to, to court cases and judges, that's when you know you love the industry. Um, and I was just sort of a little bit like, is that fully true? I don't I don't know. Have I, have I, called, have I lawyered you, lawyer? I don't know. <laughs> Well, no, I'm with you. Like I said, I, I could swear that the 360 specifically, I don't know about the Xbox One, but yeah, I'm with you. I thought the 360 was profitable at some point uh, yeah. at, on a per unit basis, but I mean, she testified in court under oath. Yeah, <laughs> That's not the case. Really. Yeah. So I think we have to take her word for it on this one. But yeah, because obviously the original 360, it was cutting edge tech at the time uh, when it first came out. Then, and if they obviously had the catastrophic red ring of death problem, so they oh. needed to re-engineer the machine uh, to, to, you know, smaller die, uh, run cooler, and that's, that, was, uh, that was Jasper. <coughs> then, but then, yeah, there were, there were, I believe, two other ones after, because there, the, 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 there was the first Slim, the Xbox 360E, I believe it was technically called, which was the... Uh, it's down there. You can't see it on camera though, and I'm I'm wired in with my headphones. But, um, but then there was the there was a second slim towards the end of the 360 life, which yep. I forget the name. That might that one might have actually been like the Xbox 360 S, um, if I remember right. But that one that one looked it was even smaller. It looked it did actually didn't look that great in my opinion. But Wasn't but it yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Great, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It uh no, they did they they kept they kept revising the 360. And then the the one, of course, you know, major revision with the Xbox One S, and then the, certainly the One X was its own beast. But but yeah, I mean, it seems like I guess they were just minimizing their losses every single time rather than rather than actually going into the green on each one. So, um, but yeah, seems like it's un, unlikely to to end anytime soon. But um, yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it. You bring up a good point about about that. That could be motivation for Microsoft to get out of the, the physical box market when the cloud technology is is sufficient um yeah once we're there we're not yeah. there yet in my opinion but i do think just from a from a business i always think of things from a business perspective as someone who's self-employed myself i'm like well how how do you make the most money possible right and turn a profit every year is get get rid of the losses so the plastic boxes that we know are super important right now but in 20 30 years and and streaming is better in there across the wild world is better right Will they still be in the in the plastic box case? I think PlayStation will, but I don't think Xbox will. I mean, that's 
given this testimony, I think, yeah, you, you, it's a, it's very possible that they might be looking, looking to that at a good bit down the road. I mean, we still need, I mean, I don't know how, how, uh, the internet infrastructure is in the UK, but here in the United States, it's, it's really, there's pockets of good internet. Like I'm, I'm, Same. uh, blessed and also cursed to live here in San Francisco where, I mean, it's blessed on the tech side. Cause I have, uh, a g- one gig fiber up and down cursed because of the, the cost of living. But, um, but the, you know, not nearly everywhere in the country is, is the case there. I don't know, like with, with the UK, how things are there, but you know, we need exactly the same. It's exactly the same. I'm in London, so I'm very blessed uh, to have great internet, and I need it for my job, obviously. Yeah. But also, I pay triple the rent to everybody else, or not everyone, but a lot of places outside of London, to be honest with you. So it's exactly the same. Yeah. It, so it, we it, need it's... better... Inf- Sorry, Miranda, go ahead. Yeah, we need better infrastructure before we can even think about getting rid of the machine. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's exactly that point. And I think I don't see... Even in 20, 30 years, I mean, it's really hard to imagine what that's going to look like for the tech space. I have a hard time imagining Microsoft letting go of some sort of console unit, especially if their competitors still have one, because I think they're still, I mean, as nice as it is that a lot of people do have fiber, there are tons of people who don't. There's tons of people who don't even have like basic good internet. Like, I think if you just look, especially with the pandemic, how it's trying to light on how many people just can't head in school as easily as they need to, just because they don't have the internet proper right. like connection that they need. So I think it's, as lofty as it is uh, from our perspective of like, oh, well, they could just move over the cloud completely. I think they're very aware of their their market that there are a lot of people who do still want to have a console, a dedicated place where that they can play their games. And honestly, I'm one of those people like it, it's cool that like the Internet eventually will will just get rid of the boxes. But I don't know. I like having my box. <laughs> but also um, and, and like to your point, fix, fix about this being such a big value for people like if five hundred dollars for ray tracing and the capability to play everything great cool like you know how much it would cost me to upgrade my pc to get to ray tracing like steady it's like super powered pc that's so much money and i think thousands and and there's just so much it's like what i say and i'm sorry fellow pc players but like there's such a hassle with having a pc sometimes and like some people just don't want to deal with that for their games. And I think it is on Microsoft and Sony and, and Nintendo to try to figure out how to make that not a hassle. And that's, you know, why we have consoles. It's like, that's why there are people who prefer consoles. So I think we're going to have it, I would say, probably more than 20, 20 years. But um, again, it is really hard to figure out what that looks like. It's in and out bets, right? On unlocks. That's what we do in That's 30 years. Do. Oh, you in and out? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> you're, you're coming to the United <laughs> States. You're going to a place where there is an in and out. You have to try it when you get there. I'll take a picture just for you. I promise. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, uh, side note. You guys just made me think like in this moment in time, not the 20, 30 years from now, but I wonder if uh, this chip shortage, like if, if that's, if that's actually driving more demand for Xbox versus, you know, Microsoft's giving everybody the PC option saying, hey, all our games are going to be on PC. But Miranda's talking about, you know, upgrading GPU. You can't get a GPU. Yeah, they don't <laughs> exist. These new GPUs are are gone. So uh, not that not that the consoles are much easier to find. But but yeah, I wonder if uh, anybody is sort of looking that wants a GPU is going, uh, maybe I'll just get an Xbox instead if I can find one as it as it restocks but i think they are 
the, the people I speak to, uh, I know a lot of people that I talk to, obviously I talk about Xbox a lot, but a lot of people are just like, it's from convenience, like you said, both of you, which is, it's there, it works, I don't have to tab out of video games, which I hate doing, let me tell you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, think, I think you're 100% right. People are just, it's convenience and being there. All right. Uh, I got another quick old man topic. This might not apply to either one of you, but even if it doesn't, I'll just mention it as a quick PSA. Are, have either one of you, did either one of you ever play Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance on the original Xbox or the PlayStation 2? No, no. I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm getting the look from Miranda like, <laughs> you're old, old man. No, Go back to you are old not. Things. You are not. <laughs> well, uh, for fellow olds, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, which if you're watching us on video, you're seeing some, some B-roll of now, the trailer. Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance came out right Basically, it was almost a launch title. It came out like a month after the original Xbox did, and there was a sequel, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2. It was, it's an action RPG uh, with the D&D rule set, D&D universe. It, uh, it, we didn't, there was no Diablo on console back then. Diablo 2 never came to a console. You know, that wasn't until Diablo 3 many, many years later that we got that on the Xbox One. Uh, or I guess the 360 at first and then the Xbox One. But anyway, you know, Dark Alliance was this fantastic action RPG. Uh, it was great. And, and it's, it was just gone for a long, long time. And out of nowhere, I got, I got an email from a public relations agent last week that said, Hey, this is, uh, do you guys want to put up the trailer for this? It's we're reannouncing it. Uh, and then, and, and it's just coming out. So it's been re-released. If you never played this, I honestly don't know how to hold up. I have been busy. I've been trying to, you know, get into Resident Evil. I haven't had time to actually try this in 2021 yet. So it is a 20-year-old game. But if you love action RPGs, you like D&D games, it's 30 bucks. So give it a look on uh, if if you're curious. And it will the only new thing it does, it's two-player local co-op. They didn't add online. The only thing they quote unquote added was 4K support. If you've got a, an Xbox One X or a Series X, you can play it in 4K. But it, it was a great game at the time, and I imagine it's aged reasonably well. Maybe no, I'm sure it's not. It looks know, fun. I'm sure it's not Diablo good, Diablo three good. But but it uh, it was a hell of a good time at the time. Uh, let's see here. We've still got plenty more time, plenty more to talk about. More publishers are confirming their presence at the upcoming virtual E3 2021. Square, Sega, Bandai, and Gearbox all confirmed have games to show at the all-virtual E3 2021. Also, Xseed will be getting in on that. Uh, Freedom Games, who I don't even know. Devious Eye Entertainment, Turtle Beach. Of course, your makers of I don't know how, how you're showing peripherals at a virtual event, but okay. Verizon and Binge.com. Uh, these companies join E3's previously confirmed partners, some of the heavier hitters, Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Ubisoft, Take-Two, and Warner Brothers. So E3, it's, it's only like a month away. That's Miranda. I know that's, it's getting a little frighteningly close to, uh, I mean, we don't have to go to LA anymore, at least not for this year, but... It's still there's going to be a lot. And uh, and now, yeah, add Square, Sega, Bandai and Gearbox to the heavy hitters list. Or is there anything from that group of publishers that you're particularly hoping to see? 
I'm always curious about Square Enix just because um, I did enjoy Final Fantasy VII Remake and I was just like, oh, what's going on over there? What do you, what do you guys got? Um, sometimes they have really cool indies. Uh, Bandai Namco, I'm always looking for anime games. I'm like, hey, do you guys got some good ones though? Let's see what y'all got. Uh, Gearbox, Gearbox isn't, I don't really play a lot of their games, so that's not really for me, but I know a lot of people are always excited to see what they have to show. So um, it's good to see more confirmations, and I try not to think that it's a month away. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, taking it one step at a time. Fix anything that jumps out from you, including, I'm, I'm going to see if you're going to say the game that everyone in our audience is thinking about right now. Look, go ahead. So when they're on the Xbox? Yeah. No? Is that, is that what you were thinking as well? <laughs> no, no. So uh, I'll give you a hint. The game everyone in our audience is thinking about is from Bandai. Oh, Elden Ring. Yes. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one everybody's screaming out right now as they're listening oh. to this podcast. Elden Ring. That's I what we want to see. I feel for them. Yeah, I, every time I see it, it's like, baby, this is the time. Every <laughs> event. I'm just like, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry. I see them. I've always. You are seen. <laughs> yeah, no, I see them too. You're right. I, uh, I'm excited for that game as well. Yeah, I think for me, I... I just more more games coming to Xbox platforms is always the thing that I always keep an eye out from. The games that we are missing on the platforms are the ones that I always hope ends up at E3. So Final Fantasy VII, I've been taught that was my game of the year last year on non-Xbox platforms, and I absolutely love the remake. I'd never played it before. Um, so oh. going through fresh, and I'm like, and I had no spoilers, I had no nothing, so I just got to experience all of that. With my Twitch chat, literally, they were telling me what to do because I'm not really into RPGs, especially JRPGs as well. So it was like they were helping me through. We were going through there's certain big moments in the game. I can't wait for the Xbox audience to really get to play that game. But yeah, that, and I just love E3. I know you guys have to cover it in a different way to what I do, but I get to just sit down and react and then do a podcast afterwards. It's, it's a lot of work, especially when you're going late into the nights, but I absolutely love E3. I'm happy that it's back in the way that I wanted it to be because last year was just an absolute mess, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, a, it was a strange summer for everyone. But yeah, we love it too. That's the thing. We love going. I mean, nobody gets to go anywhere this this particular E3. But but yeah, it's going to be really fun to just see what everybody brings out. Um, you know, it's it's the first proper year of the new generation. So I think we'll start to see more game announcements hit. And it's yeah, it'll be it'll be good. I mean, you know, Square uh, Final Fantasy 16 is probably the, the the biggest thing they've got going on. That's a PlayStation exclusive. But I mean, that'll be that'll be a big deal. But they'll they'll have plenty more. I've I've no doubt that Square is uh, they've always got new stuff up their sleeve. I mean, Sega, they're they're probably I don't know what they'll have on the Xbox side. I mean, it's maybe a new Sonic game because they're like Sega's got all those big strategy games you know they've got what uh humankind and um what's the other one i'm thinking of uh oh total right. war right warhammer yeah um so yeah it's uh the the, the 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 sort of european side of sega that's got all those cool strategy games and then yeah bandai it's going to be all about elden ring like it's going to start and stop with elden ring for the entire audience but they're i can't imagine bandai is going to do their own press conference which means we can probably expect to hopefully see Elden Ring on Microsoft stage. That's where it was unveiled, what, two, three years ago. So that is likely where we'll see it again, uh, hopefully at this E3 and not have to wait till the next one. All right. Uh, oh, and actually on that note, 
So, you know, E3 is is I like to call it it's it's the it's the video gamers Christmas morning where we just unwrap presents. Although I guess it's more like video game Hanukkah because it stretch it stretches over multiple days and you just get to keep opening gifts. But um EA locked in their EA Play event. It's going to be July 22nd. So, it's on the it's well after E3. But Battlefield 6 will be unveiled at at its own event in June. No date on that yet, but uh, they are giving it its own entire event to breathe rather than lumping it in with uh, the EA Play in July. Okay, well, let's do, let me do one more quick story here before we move on to the loot box and the trivia. Fix, do you remember a video game that Ubisoft announced about 30 years ago called Skull and Bones? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do remember it. It was uh, an interesting show. It looked like you just played as a ship at one point, and we've heard we've heard maybe there's more to that now. But yeah, I, oh, I remember it. I remember it. Well, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, I like. Are you excited for it? Did you think it looked cool? Because the story here is, it's been delayed again. So it's it's oh, still in development, but it's now targeted. They've they've moved it to fiscal. So basically, it'll be. But 2022 or 2023 for Skull and Bones, it was originally announced at E3 2017. So it's already been four years in this game. And it was originally supposed to be released in 2018. So uh, it's since been delayed to 2019, then 2020, then 2021. And now maybe we'll just skip 2022 and go right to 2023. I, I... I'm sort of scratching my head on this. Like, what What do you think that, what are they, why keep going with this? It's like, I don't mean to demean the, you know, creativity and development, but can this even make money after after staying in development for this long? It's, it's got to be one of them cases where it's, they've already put too much in. Right, where right. it's like we've already got fo- this far. We've already we've already put too much in now to just pull away. Um, I'm personally not excited for it. I wasn't excited when they showed it. It's just not my type of game, though. Um, I think this was. I remember uh, Assassin's Creed. Uh, what's the one everybody loves? I'm not. I I played the new Black Assassin's Flag. Creed. Black Flag. Thank you. This was like that. Those times, right? It's like the ship combat's amazing. We should have just a game of that, and then we don't get the game of that it gets unveiled a little bit later and now we see it when we see it i guess unfortunately <laughs> well miranda the uh remember when remember when this and sea of thieves people were wondering which one were, was going to come out first yeah that's exactly <laughs> what i was thinking it's like well uh i'm also worried that the Ship has sailed. Oh, I'm like pirate games, right? Like that's. I feel like a lot of these things, especially like for pirates, it, it comes in and out of season, right? And is the season of the pirates still in? And I feel like there are probably people who have been waiting for this for a long time, and hopefully are still will still be excited for it when it comes out. And hopefully it's as good as you know um, they're expecting it to be. I guess or. I, I guess, like, with the, you, you take that much ex- additional time for development, you expect it to be a better game, or you would hope so. Um, but honestly, I think there's such a huge, like, sim audience, and I think the competitive aspects look pretty interesting. So I think there is a good chance for it still, but it's just one of those, oh, yeah, that game. That's not out yet? Oh. Which, which feels bad for it, but 
It happens. These Miranda, things happen. Uh, which game? I guess I'll put put this to both of you, starting with Miranda. Which game yeah. comes out first? Which Ubisoft game comes out first? Skull and Bones or Beyond Good and Evil Two? <laughs> oh, that is a question. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say Skull and Bones. They have to put it out soon. They have to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was going to say Skull and Bones as well, to be honest with you. Um, but that's where my money would be, personally. I'm in agreement with, with both of you. I don't think Beyond Good and Evil 2 is ever coming out. Uh, I hope I'm not that, but Michel Ancel is retired. He's gone. It's We haven't seen that. Yeah, I don't think that game's ever happening. But uh, yeah, I would put my money on Skull and Bones for that as well. And if, by the way, if we have simply, if we have just now accomplished a reverse jinx, to Ooh. actually make Beyond Good and Evil 2 come out like this year, thank us later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's everything in the world of Xbox news. So let's move now to the loot box. I remind you this portion of the show is where you can be on the show by asking a video question, anything in the world of Xbox, just a, you want some question you want to put forth to us for the panel to discuss. Uh, this week, our question comes from Jonathan in Chandler, Arizona. Hey, Alon Crew. Jonathan Arleo from Chandler, Arizona. Big fan of you guys, listening to you guys every week. My question for you is this. Probably already answered this before, so I apologize if it's a duplicate question. We know Disney and Marvel reached out to Insomniac and Crystal Dynamics and a whole bunch of other studios to work on a Marvel property. And we don't know if that ever happened with Xbox and maybe they were too busy, maybe they already had stuff in the works. But what property would you give and to what studio, personally? I would love to see a Wolverine game, given the Arkham Spider-Man treatment in terms of gameplay-wise, and give that to the Coalition. I think they can do some really awesome stuff with Unreal 5. Uh, I also would have loved a cat game, personally, but or even Doctor Strange, if you gave that to the Initiative. I thought that would have been dope. Uh, and Avowed kind of looks like that a little bit. Doctor Strange meets Elder Scrolls. Uh, so what would you do, and what would you give it to? Which studio? Thanks. Jonathan, thank you. All right, so kind of a Spider-Man situation. If Disney were to come to Microsoft and say, "Hey, let's let's pick a let's pick a property here, a Marvel property, and uh, pick a studio, and let's do some cool game fix," do you have anything that comes to mind here that you'd like to see? I'd love to see Wolverine done. I'm trying to now the studio though, which would be yeah. that's the hard part for me. So you're with Jonathan on that who, one. You 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 want to go Wolverine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely Wolverine, because I, lo I love Wolverine as a character. So yeah. 100% Wolverine. I'm just trying to think of what studio I'd want to do it. Jonathan that's the hard with, part. Jonathan went with the Coalition, which could be... Yeah. That could be interesting. So, yeah. Uh, you, is there another one? That, yeah, I'll, that, take, uh, I'll take that. I'll go yeah, with him. I'll go with him on that one. I like that. All right. That's cool. Miranda, how about you? Uh, Jonathan, I'm sorry, but I'm not really a Marvel fan, so it's hard to say. Like, my favorite hero is Spider-Man, and then after that, I'm just kind of like, kind of a big shrug on the rest of Marvel, and I feel bad, because I'm very much a DC person. Um, if I had to play, or if I had to choose, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy could be fun, just because of the humor. I think that would lend itself well to something. Yeah. Um, and when I think of humor within <laughs> this xbox studios it's like oh double fine i know that's my answer for a lot of things recently they're just a really cool team so um i'd, I'd also like to see arcane take on something with superpowers just because mm. i think they have such a good balance of um gunplay as needed and with powers so i think that would be neat to 
throw something their way with that. I don't good know what's on that. Yeah, good call. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cheat a little bit and just say, well, you know, but so Bioware has done Xbox exclusives before with with uh, Mass Effect and Jade Empire. You know, what if what if uh, Microsoft teamed up with EA and Bioware did an Iron Man game from the Anthem team because Anthem was already halfway to an awesome Iron Man game. It's, yep. It already felt great to to fly around and and uh, sort of feel like Iron Man a bit in that game. So that's my cheat answer because I know Bioware is obviously not an Xbox studio. But thank you, Jonathan. And again, if anybody else out there has a loot box question for the panel, you can be on Unlocked just like Jonathan was. Just record yourself on video on use your phone and then post it on Twitter and tag me. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. And with uh, real, we got to move quickly here. We're just about out of time. Unlock block trivia. It's a Halo question, which I love. I confess, I actually got this one wrong. Uh, I, I narrowed it down. I picked the wrong one. So I'll be curious to see if you guys get this right. Scotty from Hamilton in Ontario, Canada asks this on the original Xbox. If you change the system date to read 7707, of course, Bungie was fascinated with the number seven. They still are. You activate an Easter egg found in a Halo 2 multiplayer map that changes a sign in that map to read, are you finding Ling Ling's head? Which map features this Easter egg? Was it Zanzibar, Headlong, Terminal, or Waterworks? Mm-hmm. So let me go, I'll, I'll check in with Miranda first on this. So this is always a hard one for me because I didn't really play Halo 2 multiplayer, which I know there's probably a lot of like gasps, but I was very small, guys. We did not have Xbox Live, and I did not have any interest in playing multiplayer at the time. So when it comes to these questions, I'm like, I don't know. But also, this is very, very obscure, and it's so cool. It's like it's cool to know this. Um, so when I don't know what I'm doing, I usually just guess C, as I did in grade school. <laughs> Terminal. All right, fix. How about you? You you have absolutely hit it out of the park with that. I'm exactly the same. Didn't play multiplayer, and I always go down the middle. So I'm going B. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I thought this would have been either headlong or terminal because of this whole thing of there oh, being no. a sign. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it was in Zanzibar. It's in Zanzibar. It's no, in Zanzibar. of course it's Zanzibar yes. though. So. <laughs> This is this is an Easter a Halo Easter egg I was not familiar with. Scotty, great job stumping all of nice us job. on yeah. that one. And yeah. uh, so we'll play again next week. Again, send your Xbox trivia questions my way. The email address is unlocked at IGN.com. Include your question, your four multiple choice answers, and please note which answer is the correct one in your email, and we'll play again next week. Um, and by the way, the quick backstory on this, which comes from the this description comes from the Halo fandom wiki. This is a reference to, sorry, Miranda. This is oh, a reference funny. to an ongoing bungee joke that's about a dog's head in a jar that was, again, this is just the story. This story is that it was left behind by the bungee, uh, by a bungee creator's roommate who was a med student. The bungee team had decided to keep the Ling Ling's head after their roommate had left, and Ling Ling's head is now in the bungee studio's refrigerator again. Not real. That's not a real thing that happened. That was just the sort of 
mythology that they invented. So that's Ling Ling's head. It was a it was a fake dog's head. It was a real dog, but a fake head. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. And we'll uh, again, we'll play again next week. Before we go, uh, let's do some plugs. I'll start real fast. I'm on, again, Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. New Unfiltered up today. It's with Jason Schreier. If you want to hear some stories of his, his reporting of on game studios and crazy behind the scenes shenanigans that happen in the games industry, check out that episode of Unfiltered that's up now. And Fix, again, we, now that you've, you've endeared yourself once more to the Unlocked community, Remind them where they can find you, what you're up to, etc. Yeah, I'm everywhere at MC Fixer. Uh, the weekly podcast that you may want to check out is called My Xbox and Me. And yeah, just find me. I'm, I, lo- I love interact with people on Twitter. So please come and uh, come and hit me up. Let me know how I did on the show. Excellent, Miranda, take us home. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Havoc Gross, and that's Havoc with a K. And on Twitch right now, I am playing Batman Arkham City, speaking of superhero games, and I love it. So that has been a fun time. And as far as IGN work, uh, just keep it on IGN Guides. We have a ton coming on. We're obviously doing a big guide for Resident Evil Village. I love that guide. It's going to be very helpful for when I do play. I'm probably not going to be too scared to find all the collectibles, but a good thing our, our key guy writer... Brendan Graver has done a fantastic job and has actually found all of them. So you can just go get help there. That is impressive stuff. Thanks so much to both of you for Miranda, MC Fixer. I'm Ryan and our producer, Red. This was Unlocked 494. That's a palindrome. We'll see you back here next week. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast.